welcome to IB Talk, the leading podcast for the insurance industry across the UK and Ireland, brought to you by Insurance Business. Hello and welcome to IB Talk, the insurance industry podcast brought to you by Insurance Business. My name is Mia Wallace, Senior Editor of Insurance at Insurance Business, and today I have the pleasure of welcoming Mike Keating, CEO of the Managing General Agents Association, or the MGAA. Many thanks for joining me here today, Mike. Pleasure to be here. It's an absolute joy to have you. And to get us started, I wonder if you could give me a bit of a a whistle-stop tour of the MGAA and who it serves and how it supports its members. Oh, thanks. Great opportunity. So, so again, thanks for ha- thanks for having me on. Uh, so, the association has been uh, in. Well, it was launched eleven years ago, uh, and credit needs to be given to Reg Brown and a few other colleagues of his who uh, you know built it up to around forty members, and then when they got to forty members, they decided to go public. Uh, so that's sort of over eleven years ago, and the, the association really has a number of purposes. First and foremost, it's there to sort of represent uh, both the interests, improve the professional standards, the integrity, training of the MGA community. And that MGA community sort of straddles across our three tiers of membership. Uh, We have uh, MGAs, and it's important to sort of note that uh, to be a member of the association as an MGA, uh, your fiduciary duty has to be to the insurer. So effectively, MGAs are an extension of a, either an insurer's sort of branch network or actually everything an insurer does. Uh, so, so we look after the interests of nearly 200 of those MGAs currently. Uh, we then also have a insurer tier, and these are insurers who actually are very supportive of the MGA, uh, the MGA model, uh, where they deploy capital uh, and and deploy that capital for MJs to use their underwriting expertise in, in various products and these segments uh, to underwrite on their behalf. And then thirdly, we have a very valuable uh, final tier, which is uh, our supplier membership, of which we've got over 100. Uh, and those suppliers provide, you know, valuable services, products and services to those MGAs. So we're very much a community. Uh, you know, each stakeholder has a clear role to play. Uh, but, you know, what I really enjoy is that when, you know, we're able to bring all those three sort of key stakeholders together as an association, which we do regularly during the year, but, you know, our flagship event is our conference in July this year, uh, then it's really a fantastic community to work with. Uh, very innovative, very agile, always full of ideas and very exciting. And something that really amazes me is you have such a diverse membership base. And I wonder, in your role as CEO, are there any shared areas of focus that you're seeing across those members? Yeah, so it's a great question, actually. And, and you're right. You know, one of, one of the benefits, actually, of our association is, as you quite rightly point out, you know, the diversity. And, and that can range in terms of their sort of business models as well around to their products and the segments. But, but if you look at the common theme for our sort of MGA members is that, number one, they are focused on delivering underwriting profit for their uh, capital providers, i.e. the insurers. They also provide, you know, unrivaled sort of underwriting expertise and choice in the main two brokers in these segments and also in sometimes challenging segments of the industry. You know, where where, uh, insurance for 
brokers customers is not easily accessible uh, and that's something MJs are absolutely sort of experts at and some things oh my, which you, you, you'll be well aware that which I, I'm never short in terms of waving the flag is uh, you know the MGAs provide an absolute unrivaled service to you know their broker sort of partners the broker distribution you know when they say they're going to do something they do it be that you know a renewal on time uh, returning a phone call meeting a broker's new business deadline you know they really have you know the cream has risen to the top you know and they are absolutely fantastic at that uh, which is evidenced by and again, I sort of mentioned this before that, you know, there was a, a gravitation to MGAs during lockdown uh, because MGAs really didn't miss a heartbeat in terms of, uh, you know, when the country sat down. And post lockdown, you know, you can see not only has that broker loyalty continued, but there is more and more brokers, you know, gravitating to MGAs for their, you know, their underwriting expertise. Uh, aligned with their sort of excellent service. And one other final thing I've, I've mentioned, and I sort of picked this up, you know, last year and uh, at Bieber, and I'm no doubt it will be the same in May this year, was that the number of MGAs who actually had their own stands, I'd never noticed that many sort of before ever, and I've been to, as you know, sort of too many Biebers to remember uh, from that perspective. So again, it just shows to me some of the sort of the key sort of optics of, of the, the strength and, and the buoyancy of the, the MGA market. No, thank you so much for that, Mike. I must say I've been so impressed to see how MGA's navigated all the tumult of COVID. And obviously it's still a, a very tumultuous financial landscape out there at the moment. And I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about some of the key challenges that you're seeing facing MGA's in the market today. Yeah, I, I would probably, I'd probably sort of... Uh, Mentioned three, if I may. So, uh, you know, as being an extension of insurers and effectively, you know, using their capital to underwrite business, uh, you know, clearly claims inflation uh, is a strong headwind for which they need to navigate successfully or and mitigate as best as they can in terms of delivering their sort of target loss ratios. So that's something which, you know, the MJs be working you know, relentlessly with their claims partners to, to mitigate. But clearly, you know, that it's not just the fact of mitigating that claims inflation, it's ensuring that, you know, both their rating, you know, uh, our going forward is is sufficient to cover, you know, hopefully no further increases in claims inflation, but certainly to more than cover what they're seeing now. So, so that's something which, you know, is the big elephant in the room or, you know, call it a herd of elephants in the room, which all insurers and MGAs are sort of having to tackle sort of head on. And and, and that's not going to go away, uh, you know, anytime soon. And, and certainly claims inflation in, in wheels-based products, you know, is, is significantly high. Uh, so that's, that's a challenge. Uh, the second one, I think, which I'd like to mention, and, and this is, this isn't necessarily completely across the board, but it's more of a sort of observation from uh, my MGA members and with some of the insurers they partner with for capacity is that, you know, onboarding new capacity and therefore getting speed to market to launch, you know, be it a new product or a refresh product with capacity, that can be a challenge, you know, that and, and some insurers do that extremely well where others are still i would say uh, probably need to invest a bit more time uh, and collaboration with their mj partners to ensure that the onboarding 
goes very smoothly because because some of the challenges on onboarding that if you don't get it right at the start and everybody is aware of what their role is and what the, the financial sort of targets are what the management information suite requirement is etc etc then that can cause challenges as a, as a relationship develops so so you know one of my pleas in sort of this opportunity is to 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 really invest the time uh, certainly through the insurer lens as well as the MGA lens in terms of onboarding because, you know, I, I have seen and do see some uh, some challenges in those sort of relationships which are purely can go back to the genesis of of when the partnership was onboarded. So that 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 is something which I think will improve and, and we as the association will do everything we can with those stakeholders to sort of try and engineer and facilitate how that can improve and we can do that through our sort of technical insight uh, events which are, are extremely popular um, and then finally again you, you won't be surprised it's obviously the increase in regulation and the burden of regulation you know you know MJs are not immune uh, to to that you know we've gone through a fair value attestation sort of uh, last year which was extremely painful for the whole industry uh, and unfortunately you know you could say unfortunately or fortunately but ultimately didn't didn't end up with any product being withdrawn from the market. So again, on behalf of our members, we're we're having a collaborative discussion with the regulator in terms of what fair value looks like um, next year. And then clearly, you know, the consumer duty deadline at the 31st of July, you know, again, is extremely sort of uh, at the forefront of sort of MGAs and their distributors' minds. And again, that that adds adds cost, uh, you know, and complexity. Uh, in terms of uh, and challenge rather in, in in terms of that relationship so they're, they're, they're the probably the three areas I would I would highlight uh, I think people listening to this would say well why am I not mentioning capacity uh, you know is there a capacity crunch and, and I'm very clear on capacity that you know if an MGA is doing everything it should be doing in terms of defining its risk appetite, being proactive with its uh, underwriting, being excellent at service, management information, and I'll call that forensic management information, uh, and, and as, as I say, being proactive in managing their portfolio, then they will never have a problem with attracting capital from insurers. Uh, there's only a capacity crunch where MJs, you know, don't display those key hygiene factors which insurers are looking for. Uh, and, and I think that's quite important for me to sort of to land. Fantastic. And thank you for such a holistic insight into the challenges that are facing the markets. And something that I think is very interesting as well is looking maybe more internally across the MGA sector, you can see that insurance businesses of every size and sector are facing a lot of challenges around talent at the moment. And I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about how great a challenge this is for MGAs as you see it. Well, you know, again, you know, they're not they're not immune to you know the recruitment challenge, and and they're not immune again to sort of attrition from that perspective. I suppose what I would say, however, that there is a been a slight drain, what I would say, from the traditional market into the MGA sector, uh, and that's really driven by the dynamics of of uh, MGAs. You know, insofar that they're very innovative. They're very agile. Uh, they recognise, you know, underwriting, stroke distribution, stroke product knowledge, expertise. 
know, people I speak to who I have known moved from very successful careers in the traditional market into MGAs. You know, they they tend to say, you know, it, it it's it's so refreshing in whether in where they're in an environment where cause and effect really is is a hygiene factor that they can make a decision at nine o'clock in the morning and then it'll be implemented at you know sort of at ten past nine you know from that perspective so you know whilst they're not immune uh what i would say is that the mga sector uh and again we've touched on sort of you know how exciting that is in terms of uh you know the innovation agility and the things i've covered uh is attractive um, and and I think that will continue to be attractive, uh, providing the MGAs sort of retain that that sort of you know let's call it sexiness in terms of in terms of what they do and giving people, you know, really the the freedom, the the landscape, the opportunity to, for one of a better phrase, spread their wings and actually really execute their skills and be their their skills in underwriting, product development, operational efficiency. You know any of those particular disciplines you know you know you can really flourish in an mga i'm not suggesting that that's not available in the insurer market but having had the experience in in the company market myself i would say it, it's not as it's not as sort of as wide-ranging as what you get when you're when you're operating in an mga you've really identified the opportunities that mgas have to snap up the best and brightest insurance talents and i wonder if you could tell me a little bit about some of the initiatives in place by the MGAA to help support and boost that talent pipeline. It's something I'm 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 particularly passionate about because uh, I've, I've been I've been fortunate enough to be to be able to do a number of sort of presentations and, and I think if I look at one thing which you know everyone's interest for our sort of industry stroke community aligned is that that's to make us more attractive uh, as a as a career, as a as a profession, for you know to to harness young talent, be it coming out of schools, you know, college or, or university, because you know I think you know we're not as attractive as we should be. Uh, I don't think as an industry we promote ourselves as well as we should be. You know, you know, you think of you know the networking and, and the the events the industry has and the, the camaraderie between people, albeit they may be competitors on certain things, you know, I think we just don't promote that well enough. And at times that you know we are we, we, we look to inwards of things that perhaps we don't do as well from that perspective. So against that backdrop, you know, we as an association, you know, we've recently reconstituted our next gen group, which is kindly sponsored by sort of Axor XL, uh, and that's something you know which they have a clear program. And a real focus, you know, it's a very, very vibrant, dynamic young group, a real sort of, you know, passion and ambition to ensure that everything they do externally and certainly in the MGA sort of community is to make it as attractive a profession and explain why it's an attractive uh, profession within MGAs, but also the wider community, be it insurer, be it on the supplier side or be it as an MGA. Uh, and that's something we, as, as an association, are extremely and will continue to support uh, to try and get it as, as attractive as possible and, and bring some of these sort of talented people who've got a choice of career and, and, and really ensure that, you know, the career in the insurance industry is the right, is the right route to take. 
Thanks for that, Mike. I must say, it's we've obviously we've discussed some of the challenges around the market, and as you've identified, there are some real opportunities, particularly around talent. And I wonder if you could tell me about some other opportunities you see on the horizons for MGAs in 2023. I, I think you know the, the tip of the spear really for MGAs because they are so close uh, and intertwined, you know, positively with their broker distribution. And again, for those MJs, we have members who actually deal with the sort of uh, the end consumer because that because they have so rich in terms of data knowledge. You know, the opportunities will continue to be uh, the the creation and delivery of new products for new segments, and and the ability of MJs to you know uh, build, construct, and put a product on terms of speed to market again is unrivaled. So the opportunities where, you know, you'll have and they'll monitor consumer changing, you know, buying habits, you know, different levels of types of service the consumer may may require, listening to what their brokers and their brokers' customers are, are, are requiring. These are things which MJs will, will, will take on board and say, there's a product opportunity. How quickly can we deploy that? And they can deploy that very quickly to meet, you know, the, their brokers' requirements. But most importantly, meet the broker's customers' requirements. And again, for our NJs who, as I say, who deal with the end consumer, who've got fantastic data, you know, very, very rich data, you know, they also have that sort of agility to sort of either sort of treat their products really quickly or actually introduce new products because what they see through their data and their uh, constant monitoring is is another sort of product requirement need. And again, that, that will only continue uh, you know, in terms of that relationship between sort of brokers and, and MGAs and as well as those MGAs who deal with uh, end consumers. So I, I would, I would centre it really me around, uh, you know, uh, dynamic product development. And I can't think of anybody better to ask this, but you as CEO of the MGAA, but overall, are you positive about the outlook for the market? Yeah, I, I think I am. You know, I, it would be it would be slightly strange as a CEO if I wasn't confident. Uh, you know, we will always, as an association, and our members in particular, will have headwinds. Uh, but they they are very very good at you know navigating those headwinds as best as they can. Uh, there is an increase in in interest both from the insurer community and sort of new insurers to deploy capital. Uh, and support MGAs in their sort of products and their these sort of segments. I, I see that. Uh, I see that from our own insurer membership, which is you know growing close to nearly sixty insurers now we've got. So you can see that you know there is a, a clear, exciting segment that people want to be involved in. I think the key thing for new MGAs is that uh, you know they need to and um, be that an insurtech MGA or, or sort of a new new MGA. They have to get the foundations right. You know, they have to identify their risk appetite. They have to identify the distribution where they feel there's going to be, a, you know, that, that there will be a, a demand and a need. They have to be have the underwriting expertise. They have to have the supporting systems in terms of delivering as much real-time management information as they possibly can. Uh, and they have to, in all of their language and narrative, always be talking about delivering underwriting profit. Because that, because that's at the centre and the hub of of their partnership with their with their capital. So I'm extremely both excited, uh, certainly as leading the association to be at the heart of what is a a, a really dynamic sector 
which still has a, a, an awful long way to go and, 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 and will be right at the heart of that. That sounds like a really exciting time for the MGA market and a lot of well-tempered positivity from there from you as well, Mike. So thank you so much for your insights and for taking the time to talk to me today. Much, much appreciated. And, and again, thank you very much for the opportunity. That's been an absolute pleasure. And for everybody listening, thank you for tuning in. And I look forward to welcoming you next time here on IB Talk. Thank you for listening to IB Talk. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher and Apple Podcasts.